everyone. It's Dr. Jim Schrader, and we have now reached our 28th episode of Living a Whole Christian Life. It's great to be back with you once again as we continue our series on movement and how it relates, again, to living the whole Christian life. So last week, I talked a little bit about what movement has meant to me in my life. I even shared a particular kind of reflection as it related to my first attempt at a 100-mile ultramarathon. But this week, we're going to dive deeper into truly what it seems that movement means to God and for us and our human design as human people, certainly, but also as divine people. And so I begin with a quote from the Bible. This is Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, and it says, Truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So years ago, this was uh, my wife. At this point, we had six kids. She came back one day. She was training for a particular race. And there's a nearby grassy hill by our house that she had decided to run as part of her training. And so she came in the door. I still remember this day. She had this like childlike enthusiasm, this this kid-like, you know, zeal. And she started telling me about just kind of running around laps, running up and down this grassy hill and jumping over this little rivulet, this little stream. And she described really feeling like a kid. And again, at this point, she's in her mid-30s and has six kids. But in her zealous enthusiasm, I reflect on that idea from Matthew, that unless you are converted to become like children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so I think one of the neat things about movement that it can do for us in our lives in whatever ways that we can move is it still can create a sense of awe that's easy to lose as we get older. And whether you know, you're exercising or you're training for a particular race, whether you're just out for a walk and it's an evening and the sun's going down or you're walking down to grab something from the grocery store, it's a really neat thing about moving in our world, and as I said this before, that creates internal movement within ourselves. And so, you know, for me, as I was reflecting on my wife's childish enthusiasm for running laps on the grassy hill, I was thinking about all the different ways for me that movement has created the sense of really three things, I think. A sense of freedom that you often don't feel in other aspects of your life, especially those aspects where you feel like that you have to do something or you're obligated to do something. A sense of adventure, right? Of seeing things new or maybe saying the same thing over and over and again, but in a new way. And I think the third for me is just the sense of beauty, whether it's again beauty in one of our national parks or just beauty right out your back door. But in order to experience all that freedom and adventure and beauty, you know, so often we do have to move in some ways. And I, in the last few weeks, I've been increasing my miles on the bike once again, as I do often during the summer. And, you know, sometimes just I love those early morning rides alone on the road. Actually, very few motorists out there on maybe a Saturday or a Sunday morning. And I can feel myself kind of gliding up and down the hills. Again, sometimes the energy required is is quite a bit, and sometimes there's the toil that goes along with being a cyclist. But I, over the years, have grown to appreciate so much. Sometimes the climbs I love the most. I often say a quick prayer of thanks to God for these climbs that I can feel my heart rate and respiration picking up and look out over the cornfields, whether it's corn or beans or, or wheat or whatever. There's just kind of a joy of going up and down over the hills that makes me feel like a kid inside. And I have to be honest that many times in the rest of my life, it's not as easy to feel that way. But when you pull yourself away and you move, and especially when you move in silence and in, in, in particular natural surroundings, I think that, you know, in many ways, Matthew was speaking to something like this. 
that we have to develop that sense of awe. The, the awe is one of the gifts, you know, of the Holy Spirit. And the way that we get, develop a sense of awe is that we move in the world around us. But, you know, if we don't do that and we start staring at the same walls, at the same places and the same people and not see them in new ways, well, how are we going to become like children and ultimately entering in, into the kingdom of heaven? So as we enter further into this idea of how movement is ordained by God and part of God's design, you know, I think it's worth considering that from the beginning of time, we have always been a people of movement. You know, migrating out of the Great Rift Valley of East Africa, where the earliest humans you know, remains exist, we've always been kind of moving out of necessity and out of leisure. Whether early ancestors were hunting for prey or searching for food or dancing in jubilation, we are people whose activity has defined much of who we are and where we will go and where we have been. And so up until the last hundred years, it's really interesting that physical activity generally occurred many times because it was a requirement to live, but also, again, a source of entertainment, whether it was dancing or whatever. But as with in most recent technological revolution, it's redefined when and how and why we move as modern conveniences have really kind of removed much of the demand that once existed. Gone are the days when our ancestors, on average, walked up to 12 miles a day to simply survive. It's almost unfathomable for us to think about that because depending on what your job is today, you might barely have to walk a few hundred yards to get through your day. But with the advent of a more sedentary life, never has it been more important to consider what movement and activity mean for our lives. And I think that that's one of the keys that we have to consider is that it was maybe easier hundreds of years ago when movement was just simply required to live that people kind of understood that that was just part and parcel with living a whole Christian life, that there was no way around our lives and our livelihood without moving. But today, there are many ways that seemingly we can get away from that. Although I'm going to argue here, I'm going to describe some things, I think that really deeply, deeply speak to how God ordains movement so much in our lives. In order to do this, I think we first have to look at what science says about God's design. And I think that that is a key here because no matter how you feel about movement, no matter how much you love doing it or don't love doing it or begrudge the fact that it seems important, science is an attempt at a revelation for how God created us. So, for example, most of us know the basic advantages of regular exercise. Weight loss and improved endurance, you know, increased metabolism, improved sleep outcomes, decreased mortality risks from things like diabetes or cardiac issues and even in decreased irritability or edginess are kind of things I think most of us understand, although sometimes we fall away from even thinking about those. But I want to take you beyond the basics that we're now learning and exploring more and just consider, wow, how intermingled, how interwoven movement seems to be with regards to our lives. So for starters, researchers are finding that exercise and overall energy expenditure, which we call EE, appears to be associated with how our chromosomes evolve as we grow. So again, remember, our chromosomes are the basic makeup of our genetics, right? And there are what we call telomeres, are the structures at the end of our chromosomes. And what we're finding, and research has been finding for the last decade or two, is that telomere length is associated with a number of physical and psychological risk factors, such as heart disease and cancer and decreased lifespan. So the shorter those that telomere length gets, the more we are at risk for a lots of other different conditions. 
Not surprisingly, evidence has indicated that exercise and other lifestyle factors may actually protect us against various negative consequences that can lead to decreased telomere length and thus ultimately potential negative outcomes. So consider also that as our chromosomes evolve, what we're finding is that your genes are not just static, that they are evolving. They're actually, you know, changing over your lifespan. It's very likely that our offspring inherit these changes to a certain degree as children are conceived and born. Once upon a time, we thought, well, your genetics were your genetics. And now we're finding that chromosomes, again, those basic building blocks of genetics, are in fact impacted by our lifestyle choices. They're impacted by the ways that we eat or we move in general. And again, this is just part of God's design. We have a choice, a co-partnership, in what we do with the bodies that we're given. But beyond that, beyond the other obvious physical benefits, there are tons of other physical connections that are found with exercise. And again, this is even just a short list. So even though asthma suffers often fear intense movement, Regular exercise has been shown to actually improve lung functioning and decrease asthma symptoms. Though increased through increased blood flow, exercise is one of the keys to healthy skin, right? We all want healthy skin for sure. Regular moderate physical activity is vital for arthritis sufferers as it improves flexibility, reduces fatigue, and lessens joint pain. And new findings suggest that exercise may reduce the risk of macular degeneration in protecting vision by increasing the density of what's called brain-derived neurotrophic factors in the retina. When it comes to headaches, not surprisingly, treatments are most likely to be effective if you have exercise as part of the regimen. And physical activity has been called the, quote, most effective weapon against fibromyalgia. When it comes to cancer, recent research has indicated that 50% of cancers could be prevented through lifestyle changes, such as increased physical activity. And I think most strikingly, researchers estimate that improved rates of what we call leisure time physical activity, again, exercise and other things, could reduce cancer incidence by as much as up to 85% in 5 to 20 years. So that's pretty incredible if we start with just the physical side, but then we head to the psychological side of God's design as it pertains to movement. And we find a similar account, which is that repeated studies have found that sustained exercise can be as effective in treating mild to moderate depression as medication and therapy. Similar findings are emerging for anxiety, for example. And intellectual benefits have also been long known, whether it's related to improved performance in academic domains or recovery from a stroke or protection from various types of dementia, again, linked to how much you exercise or active. And even many studies have found that those who have Alzheimer's, who exercise regularly, end up socializing better regulate emotions more effectively, and reason and remember more clear than those who don't. Even bad habits like smoking appear to be addressed better when exercise is part of the equation. And for everyone who's out there listening over the age of 50, physical fitness has been shown to be the best predictor of your psychological and intellectual functioning. So we go from the physical side to the psychological side, and then there's even the social dimension of exercise. And this was some fascinating research I came across years ago, which found that walking together and moving together in general really seems to enhance our ability to deal with difficult situations. And some of it's not surprising. Again, I've already mentioned that just moving in general improves mood, decreases irritability. We also know that exercise increases creativity. 
But they actually found that the process of moving side by side, especially with walking, in a synchronistic way, instead of kind of like staring at each other in a more kind of competitive way, seemed very much more linked to positive resolution in difficult conversations. And I think I mentioned this a ways back when I was biking with my dad that I found that, you know, we were opening up conversations that years ago when I was training a little bit with him that I had never really felt with him. I mean, I, I consider myself close to my dad, but I was amazed at the conversations we were having as we were moving together. So here we are again, that all of this research, all of these findings don't just suggest, but kind of slam home the point that movement of any kind is critical for greater health, greater happiness, greater harmony, and I would argue again, greater holiness with a WH in our world. But here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this next week. For all the good news that you see there, you know, there are lots of obstacles. And I think one of the worst things we do as a medical profession is to simply prescribe something or say it's good and then not take the time to really address the barriers as they are. And there's much more about this on my website, james-schrader.com. If you're interested, if you just kind of search under exercise, you can find a lot of this discussion. But we're going to talk more about that next week in our podcast as we kind of wrap up the series on movement. We're kind of at a similar point here. I've talked a lot about not just my personal experience, but also just the wealth of evidence that suggests the link between movement and our whole Christian life. And I think we reach this moment where we have to ask ourselves some key questions. And here's just three that come to mind. One is that our Christian faith puts a huge premium on marriage. You know, marriage is really seen throughout Christianity as the center of a life that allows for our population to grow, our population to be healthy in many ways. But I have to ask this question based on everything I've kind of shared with you and much more that's out there. What if moving together is one great way to encourage a healthy, long-standing marriage? I don't know how many times that makes it into marriage formation or, you know, for those who are engaged and they have engaged couples retreats, I, I hope that it does. But if the evidence that I'm reflecting to you about God's design is true, then it seems almost obvious that moving together is one great way to encourage a long-standing, healthy relationship within our marriage for those who are married and even for those who are in other relationships too. Here's a second question. Our Christian faith puts a huge emphasis on raising families who are strong in their faith, right? Who live out the image and likeness of God as much as possible in their daily lives. But if what I've indicated to you is true about God's design, what if moving together is a key factor in making it possible for families to be healthy? Healthy not just in the physical sense or the psychological sense, but in the spiritual sense. What if movement is really a key to this and something that we've kind of let go when it comes to consideration about family life within the Christian world? And finally, our Christian faith puts the ultimate premium on a relationship with God. In the end of the day, there's nothing more important than the individual relationship that we have with our Creator and how we go about cultivating that, how we go about listening to what God is calling us to, how we go about receiving His mercy and experiencing Him fully. Everything that we are with regards to our relationships, our families, our communities, our cities, our states, our countries, our worlds depends on this idea of cultivating our relationship with God in a one-to-one, -one, very individual, intimate sense. And so if that is the ultimate premium, if that is the ultimate goal of our Christian faith, 
then what if moving continuously in silence and with him in all conditions, in all situations, in all times and places, and no matter what's going on in our life, what if moving, even if it's blinking your eyes and if that's everything that you can do, or what if it's moving along again, running or walking or cycling or just being with him in any form of activity is a huge key in developing our lifelong relationship with God. It sure seems that when we ask these questions about marriage, when we ask these questions about family, and when we ask these questions about relationship with God, and we look at all the evidence that has been revealed about his design, again, it's obvious to say that we as human beings don't design our own bodies and minds, but rather we live them out in the way that God designs them. And if we believe that, then when it comes to our families, and when it comes to our relationships, and when it comes to our own connection and intimacy with God, it sure seems that moving continuously in whatever way we can is critically important. And so I want to provide one final reflection about what God's design has to say with movement as it pertains to longevity. And I think this is a really interesting thing. So in the late 70s, and this was documented in The Lore of Running by Timothy Noakes, Researchers set out to look at factors that related to longevity for individuals who are at 45 years of age, ironically, that's where I'm at right now, or older. And they found that seven lifestyle factors were strong predictors of increased lifespan from this point forward. Not smoking, one. Two, controlling body weight. Three, eating breakfast. Four, eating regularly. Five, consuming alcohol in a reasonable way, or not at all. Six, sleeping seven to eight hours a night, and seven, of course, regular physical activity. For those who engaged in all seven practices, they had an average life expectancy of about 11 years more than those who adhered to three or fewer of these guidelines, those seven critical areas. Comparatively, with all of the medical advances from the early 1900s, the life expectancy of men who reached age 45 had only increased by a modest four years. So again, remember, those who adhered to all those practices had an increased average life expectancy of 11 more years than those who had adhered only to three or fewer guidelines. But in all that time, with all the modern medicine advances, those who had reached age 45, their life expectancy had only increased by a modest four years. So what it says to us is that no matter how far medical science has come, that our life will always be largely bound by how much we commit ourselves to healthy activities each day. And part of that is how much we commit ourselves to the movement that God ordains. So we must ask, through all this conversation, what's the message God is sending us here? Be holy, be whole.